This is TM3 Impact. I am super excited. I have Max Kowalski with me today. And Max is someone I've known for a long time here in San Antonio. And I'm super pumped, Max, to have you on TM3 Impact. Thank you, T. I've been watching your podcast for a while and I was wondering when, when you'd have me here. Yes, and we, we finally made it happen. It, it, it only took a pandemic to make it happen. And that's not, that shouldn't have happened that way, Max. I apologize. One of the positives, right, that, come out of, that comes out of this whole thing. That's right. And uh, so listen, you know, we're going to jump right in here. You know, Team 3 Impact, we like to, to, to talk with people that are making an impact in our city, people that are making an impact on other people's lives. But, but first and foremost, I need to know your San Antonio story, Cliff Note version. How did you come to live in this amazing city? Yeah, thank you for asking. So I've been visiting San Antonio for over 40 years now. Um, crazy to, to say. Uh, my uncle married someone from San Antonio with family here. And when uh, I was growing up and we wanted to leave, leave the city, go somewhere nice for the summertime, um, sunny, uh, uh, direct flight, you know, just convenient, plus, you know, some, some, some relatives and family. Well, we, we found ourselves coming to San Antonio. So it, it was, my, it was my, my summer camp, right? My, my dream destination. And I always knew I wanted to live here. Uh, love the weather, love the city, love the people. Um, didn't know about allergies, um, but everything else was was awesome. So I, I kind of um, made a plan, and at some point in my life, we might talk about that a little bit later. And I just knew I wanted to be here. So uh, 11 years ago, we finally uh, the universe conspired in our favor to make things work out to to have us here. I love it. I love it. So now we, we got to talk about this conspiring because, you know, that's a, that's a, that is a great book. And uh, the, the reference there, for those you don't know, that book is The Alchemist, right? And how the, 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 the world conspires uh, uh, for our good. And, and so let's go back. So let's talk through that. Growing up, you're, 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 you know that you want to come here. You've been traveling here. Talk about that journey because it, it, I, you've shared this with me. You know, you grew up with a family of entrepreneurs, but you didn't necessarily go that route in the beginning. Yeah. So you're right. Um, I was born with a family of a, of a bunch of entrepreneurs. Um, and the short version of my story is that I was going to go work with my father. We had some, some projects, some ideas uh, when he unexpectedly died. And we realized that, um, well, not only did we lose him, but we realized that he really didn't have a business. He had a high paying job. And the reason for that was because when, when he was gone, uh, the, the business just didn't survive, right? It was gone within months. Um, he, had a, he had a bunch of people that had been working with him for a long, long time, but they, they couldn't function without him there. So we lost him and we lost his income. And, uh, you know, we thought we had it really bad. And then uh, it's, it's funny how things go, right? Because we had it pretty bad, but his team members had it even worse. Mm. People that had been working with him for 20 years that had never really operated their skills or their knowledge. They knew how to do something. And they might have even been good at doing that. But without, without this key piece, uh, then there was no business. So um, let me tell you a little bit more about that because this is kind of where... It all comes together. Well, during those dark days, uh, you start to think about your family, your life, your history. And my grandparents 
Um, they both came from from Europe. Uh, they were either you know escaping persecution and looking for a better life for themselves, etc. They started with nothing. They built great businesses, but things happened, and when the businesses went bad, their whole life crashed. Mm. Um, one of my grandfathers, unfortunately, uh, when his business got taken away from him, whole other story, ha- had a heart attack, subsequent heart attack, and he ended up dying. So there was like a pattern here of what happens when businesses are not ran well. And during that time, I, I kind of made this decision that I was not going to let that happen to me, that um, I was not going to let business or a business is not going well, ruin my life, ruin my family's life. To give you an idea, um, my father went from, from living in a mansion uh, with um, you know, super high income to having to quit school at 14 to go wash dishes to bring some money in for the house. Mm, yeah. So uh, after all that, that's when I, I kind of made up my mind. I said, look, I need to learn how to do business the right way. I've got, I've got to learn from the best. I got to go um, to business school. I got to go work for some of the best companies in the world, learn as much as I can and ensure that when I go back to entrepreneuring, because I was always in my mind, right? When I go back to entrepreneuring, I know how to do business well so I could set up my family for the long term, regardless of what were to happen to me or, you know, have a solid business in place. Right. So I'm curious. So let me, I, I, I'm very curious because I didn't know that, that full story about your father. I'm curious. How old were you at that time when that happened, that, 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 that all uh, came about? 19. Oh, wow. That's a very impressionable age. Yeah. Yeah. And my, and my brother was 14. So you can just imagine, right? Like uh, what that does to the family unit. And yet, this is the brother that lives in Milan, right? That I met? Correct. Ah, yes. Okay. Okay. So now, so, so was there part of this because of what happened, seeing this play out with your, your grandparents, seeing this play out with your father, was there a part to it that, that almost made you want to eat? Like, I don't want to run a business like this, this business, this entrepreneur stuff is, is for the birds. No, no, not at all. Um, It was quite the opposite. It was more a determination of, I've got to learn how to do this right. Um, to me, um, you know, working for a company was, was not in my cards, right? Um, it, was, it was more about the, I've got to learn as much as I can, right? Um, you know, there's a whole other story about my mother, um, you know, struggling and working really, really hard to, to learn and grow and develop. So I took some of, some of that, seeing, seeing how hard she had to overcome some challenges to to graduate high school, to, to get a, a college degree, um, and how hard she fought for, for, for learning. Mm. So I kind of put those two together. Look, if I can learn more than anyone else, and I, I can learn from real life experience, um, from being out there, from seeing how the, the real companies do it, then I can set up myself, my family for success. So that what was, was, that was, that was my whole thing. I love that. So what was the first company that you went to work for? And in biggest lesson learned, you know, I, that you could pull into this, this when you were going to go start your entrepreneurial journey. So, you know, maybe you could pick one or two of those companies that you work for and what you took from it. Well, I still consider P&G, Procter & Gamble, my, my alma mater, right? Um, I, I, I couldn't tell you one or two lessons because there's just so many of them, right? Um, what, I, what I will say is uh, the biggest lesson I learned is that that company grew 
and continues to take a, a lead over other companies because it was, it was born through scientists. It grew through scientists. Um, back before marketing existed, these guys had a mindset of let's experiment, let's learn, and let's adapt. Mm. So they just kept going through this scientific method, right? There's a hypothesis, you test it, you learn, you adapt, you do it again and again and again and again and again. These guys were, were just learning faster and faster than anyone else and getting better and better and better than everyone else. So uh, to this day, that is, that is the whole premise of, of business, right? It's becoming ever more popular. Um, but it's, it's, it's that idea, um, among some others, that really, I believe, uh, is, has made a world of difference. The other one is accountability. Mm. Accountability. And you've probably heard me say this a bunch of times. Accountability, not in the sense of, are you doing what you're supposed to? But accountability in terms of, are you accounting for, measuring, keeping track of the numbers so you can learn from them, so you can adapt your approach and consistently get better. So, so these guys measured anything and everything. And with that, they had the learnings to kind of keep evolving their, their process. And today, still today, I see lots of companies just not leveraging the power of information, leveraging the power of numbers. Um, which is, you know, many times kind of counter to what people want to do, which is just kind of go and do stuff. Um, but having a lot of intention in what you're doing and being able to measure the outcomes um, is, is the difference between growth and success and stagnation. It's so true. That is so true. Now, that, I, I'm, I'm, you know, obviously, just that thought alone, ex experiment, learn, you, you, the, the, creating the opportunity to create the hypothesis, that has led to not only the lead to innovation, but it led to you know, the marketing success that P&G had. And uh, I, I would imagine you brought that, all of that in. So let's talk about your first entrepreneurial experience coming out of the corporate world. We're going on this arc and this journey. So tell me about that first experience of now, okay, I've, I've got the experience of my family. I've got the experience of the corporate world. I, I understand this better. I've been learning and learning and learning. And now let's go to that very first entrepreneurial, you're taking the leap. Yeah. So there was this little thing called the internet um, starting to grow. And I've always, you know, been very passionate about uh, technology and innovation so I, I just started to see what was going on and how it was going to just revolutionize, change the world. Um, so I decided to leave uh, P&G and, and, start, and start a business, right? Start a digital e-commerce um, business, which was very interesting because it was a whole journey of transformation. You, you leave corporate with an idea of doing something, and then you've got to adapt along the way to take advantage of what is in front of you. So it started as, as, as a e-commerce and it transformed into what is now called um, software, software as a service, right? Um, so the, the, the simple idea behind it was that um, there were these auction sites, right? Where prices went up and me coming from Latin America, prices don't go up. You, if anything, you negotiate, you haggle down price. Yeah. So the whole idea was, what if I could develop a technology that would allow people to haggle and instead of price going up, price actually goes down. So it was kind of like incursion into dynamic pricing 
And then we uh, later learned that the, 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 the concept of uh, dynamic pricing was more powerful than any store. And then we transformed from, hey, we're gonna set up our own store to let's use the software and technology that we built to help other companies with it. So it was just, again, that entrepreneurial itch and knowing that that was my path and just kind of seeing an opportunity and saying, okay, it's time to go. Yes. And so what was that, what was that like? I mean, taking that leap. I mean, people listening to this, uh, I, I think there is a, there is sort of an, uh, um, you know, there is a, uh, an infatuation. Like there's just like this, oh, it's, you know, being an entrepreneur, it's like, you know, it's, it's going to be this dreamy experience. I'm going to, I'm going to make so much money. Um, and not really realizing the amount of work that it takes to create and start any business. So, so, you know, talk about what it took to get that up and running. Yeah. So I, I really believe in, in timing, timing, timing is everything. And curiously enough, I was a little bit late to that game. We'll, we'll, we'll tell you the outcome of that in just a second. Um, but timing in terms of my life and where I was still wasn't married, um, no kids. Um, I had, I had a job that I loved with a company that I completely loved, but the opportunity was there and I, it, it, I just had to, to, to go out and do it. Right. I had that, that, that opportunity. Um, I had saved up, um, some money, my burn rate, right. Of how my expenses was, was relatively low. So it, had, it was a time for me to take that leap. Now, uh, nobody really told me about the 16-hour and 18-hour days, <laughs> right? Um, right. The, the, the struggles, the challenges. Uh, I mean, um, really important learning process. I, I really connect, well, I worked with, connected with um, uh, high-tech companies, right? Uh, worked with some Stanford graduates, uh, learned a lot about how high-tech companies run things and how they use lean methodologies and how they communicate and how they tackle processes and projects and all that stuff. That was super, super useful. Um, and I also learned how hard they work mm -hmm. and how hard they, they, how much time it requires, right? Uh, you have limited resource, resources, time and money, uh, and you've got to make the best out of everything that you've got. So it really requires a lot of commitment. It requires a lot of passion and it requires a lot of, obsession right you, you you've you've got to love what you're doing and what you're working on you, you've got to have this um you know this 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 vision of how it's going to look when it's complete and this unrelentless passion to see it through and and to see it come to fruition right um i've got some legos right in front of me for uh, my kids are using and whenever they get their new set, right? It's like this passion of this is what it's going to look like and I can't wait to get it done. And they work on it past their bedtime and they're passionate about it. And time flies, right? They're in a state of flow, which is another great concept um, when they're doing all that. Well, you've got to have that. If, if you're in it for the money, you know, there's only so much passion you can have for it. But when you're passionate about what the outcome is and how you're going to change the world for the better, uh, make people's lives better, then that just fuels you to keep going. And, and it doesn't weigh on you. Now, it might weigh on you after two years looking backwards, like, oh man, right? I just run that race. But while you're in it, you're just going. You're going. Yeah. And, and, and now, so we, you come out of that company and when did the golf company come into play? 
When did that, it's, was that after this particular company? Talk yeah. about that. So, um, well, when, when we built, built this technology, um, we were a couple of years in, then 9-11 hit, then the, uh, you know, the tech bubble burst. And uh, we had something, and we were able to sell that technology to compact computers. Um, but there was, there was like, okay, now, now what? Now we have to like start all over, funding is limited, um, uh, things are tough, there's tons of uncertainty, what then? So I had an offer from, from, from another you know, corporate opportunity in the same realm um, of what I was doing. So I jumped in and went into corporate again. Um, I remember thinking maybe I didn't learn enough, right? That was my whole thing. Maybe I didn't learn enough. I just need to learn a little bit more. So jumped into that, um, had an opportunity from another company, moved over to that company, uh, really exciting, um, super high growth rate, um, lots of lots of influence over the big decisions being made. Um, just really exciting times. But then my son was born. Then my son was born, and that's a game changer, right? That was that was a complete game changer. So um, had a really great relationship with my father, and I want to make sure that I have a great relationship with my kids. But I would leave for work and my son was asleep and I would come home from work and my son was asleep. And after a little bit of that, I was like, okay, it's time again, right? It's time again. And uh, that's kind of where I came up with my plan. And my plan was, I'm going to leave corporate. I'm going to start a business. I'm going to sell a business. I'm going to move to San Antonio and start something there. Okay. Here it. we go. All right. That was it, right? That was, that was the plan. Um, without all the details, but I, but, but I had that intention set. So the universe conspires in your favor in crazy ways. So I, I was here in San Antonio and I, um, I want to buy some golf clubs and I see this place called golf tech and I'm like, well, I'm sure they sell some some, some golf clubs there. So I go in there and then I realize that they're, that they're a golf instruction place or they're, they're a golf academy of sorts. So I saw what they were doing and I, I was kind of blown away, right? It's like cameras and sensors, like, wow, this is really good. Um, loving golf, loving technology, my mind was, I've got to bring this franchise to Mexico, right? That was it. I've got to do it. So I reach out to the company. We email back and forth and basically say, sorry, um, there's a group of investors that have the rights for Mexico. Um, I'm going to reach out to them and see if they're interested in partnering. So that didn't go far. So I said, the heck with it. I can do this better, right? I, it's, um, it's, it's a belief I, I run with, right? So good or bad, it's a belief I run with. I can take something that's already there and we can figure out how to make it better. And this so, is, but this is in the DNA because this is what your family's done, right? This is part of what your family's done as being entrepreneurs, but you've got this backing of this corporate world of experiment, learn, leveraging, and I'm sure you're reading a ton at that, this point too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, lots of learning and lots of uh, uh, developing and, you know, you, you, you think you know enough, right? Um, or that you might have it. Or uh, I also have this idea that um, we'll, we'll figure things out along the way, right? We don't have all the answers, but we'll figure things out along the way. And I do believe that um, we have that resourcefulness inherent to us. So let's just go out and do it. So long story short for that, 
Um, I do build that technology and I partner with, with, with some really amazing people from all over the world. And we develop something that is even better, in my opinion, right? Uh, well, not only in my opinion, in the performance of it. Uh, it was so much better than I'll tell you uh, uh, that we actually had to dumb it down a little bit later on. But here's, here's how the universe conspires in your favor. So that starts running really well in Mexico. And uh, one day I get a call from someone that is asking just some weird questions. And I'm like, ah, this is interesting. This is something up. Something's up here. But they wanted to come and they wanted to see things. Well, long story short, it was one of the investors for Golf Tech <clears throat> that lives in San Antonio. Right? That lives in San Antonio. So, um, you know, Long story short, we talk we, and we end up partnering and we develop something and da, 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 things happen and I'm able to move to San Antonio. That's awesome. I'm able to move to San Antonio. So that's kind of where I say that the universe kind of conspires in your favor. Uh, I didn't know that these people and I didn't know that they were in San Antonio and I didn't know their plans. <clears throat> I just kept going with, with what I thought I needed to do with what I was passionate about and, you know, stuff, stuff happens. And there you go. And you're here. Yep. Now, I, 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 now, following that arc, the reason why you and I met is because of the, the coaching business that, that you have and the consulting business that you have. And I, 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 I remember you telling me a story that at one point, you, you're, you're, you, you hear of someone that says, they, they start talking about, I think it was, they, were, they, they had somebody that was coaching businesses or, or coaching people. And I remember you told your friend, like, what's that all about? I want to know more. Can you talk about that story? Yeah. So it's, it's interesting, right? Because um, when I was struggling to kind of launch this golf academy, uh, you don't have time to think about whether you're happy or not. You're just going. When things started going well, I started to become unhappy. So uh, I'm walking into a Starbucks and I run into an old friend of mine, hadn't seen in years, and we're getting our coffee and I'm like, hey, what do you do? And he's like, I'm a life coach. And I'm like, a life coach? What the heck is that, right? That's kind of like what people in, in California and Malibu and Hollywood use. What is that all about? So we sit down and we start having our coffee and he tells me what it's all about. And I'm like, hmm, I think I might need your help. So I go on to explain how now that things are going well, I'm starting to become unhappy. So long story short, he takes me through a whole journey. Uh, in hindsight, I was, I was happy helping people because I love helping people, but I was helping them for the wrong thing, right? So through this journey, we come up to, you know, what do you really want to do? Um, and at that point, I said, uh, I want to be a professional golfer, right? Like that's what I would want to do, which is absolutely impossible because I'm neither a good golfer nor would I like all the traveling that happens. Um, and two, I said, I would want to be a professional board of advisor. That was, that was the words that I used, a professional board of advisor, right? So I believe that you're given some gifts in life. You go through certain experiences and you've got certain aptitudes. And I thought that they were leading me to, to, to being able to, to support businesses in that role. So he's a, he looks at me and he's like, oh, that's funny. That's, that's, that's what I used to do. It's called business coaching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, business coaching? What is that? Yeah. What do you mean a coach for business? You mean like a consultant? He's like, no, 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 no. It's not like a consultant. It's, it's like a coach. 
And what year was this, uh, uh, Max? What year? 2008, probably. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 2008, 2009. Um, so I looked into what business coaching was all about and I said, that's it. That's me. That's, that's what, I, what I was built for. That's, that was what I was meant for. So I had some great experiences in life, some terrible experiences in life, but they all led me to understand this, this thing, that this passion that I have um, for doing business right so my family's in a great place was never meant for my family only. Mm. It was meant for me to help other people not go through what I had to endure, to not go through uh, uh, the, 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 the breakup of families, the death of families because of business. The, the drama, the, the, the pain of what happens when businesses don't go well. So it was just clear and it was in front of me and I knew that that was it, right? I knew that that was it. At that point, um, that's when I, I knew what I had to do next, right? Which and is a great place to be at for, for, again, for people that are listening to this, there, there is a, there's a moment of clarity that, that when you get to it, you know that you're reaching this moment of clarity in this point where the decisions that you make in that moment determine the rest of your life. And, and here's, here's the thing, right? So I'm telling my family and my friends, I'm like, look, I'm moving to San Antonio and I'm going to start this thing called uh, business coaching and I'm going to start it there. And they looked at me like if I was crazy, right? <laughs> you're leaving your friends, you're leaving your family, you're starting something you've never done before in the worst economy that we had seen until, uh, up until that point. Um, they're like, how are you going to do this, right? And you just, you just, have that purpose, right? You just have that purpose and you have that passion. And you're like, look, I, I don't know how, um, but I believe it's going to, I'll figure it out along the way, right? I will, I will learn and I will help um, and I'll support. Now, I'm not saying that I went into it without any knowledge or support because in one way or another, I had been doing this for a long time. That's right. Uh, not professionally, right? But in many different forms and fashions, whether it was in corporate or helping friends or other businesses. But to just say, hey, that's what I'm going to do full time and fully invest myself into it, it was, it was, it was scary. Um, and I could have done it without the support of my wife, of course, um, who, who, who kind of with, with her support and believe in me and the directions like, and her adaptability to you know, the unknown. Uh, without that, I couldn't have done it. And with it, I was able to just kind of put one foot in front of the other and, and keep pushing, pushing forward. Um, so that's kind of what brought me here. And that's what allowed me to, you know, to, to build um, a, a good base of businesses and business owners to help grow. And um, in any case, I, I want to talk a little bit about the, the kind of like situation we're in right now, because it's a great opportunity to really do some, some fantastic things in, in your business. And it's interesting we're talking about this because when I started, it was some of the worst financial uh, situations we were in. And it was probably the best, most fulfilling time of my career so far because of the challenges and how we're able to overcome it and how we were able to grow at a much faster pace than anybody else would have thought. And I'm not talking about my business. I'm talking about the businesses that we were helping. Right. Um, because of the opportunities in front of us and because of the changes happening and because of the need. Right? right. This need to change, to adapt, to pivot. 
Yeah, and I and so with that, I, I'm I, you know I'm glad you transitioned that because obviously you know we're 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 in a pandemic. Uh, you know, there's what is it, 22 million people that are unemployed. Um, there are businesses that are are feeling left and right, and and there there's only so much the government can do. At the end of the day, there's only so much that the government can do in that situation, right? And so. From a from a tactical standpoint, if if you know if you were sitting with businesses right now, and 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 you obviously you've gone through, uh, um, we've worked together. In in and for those who don't know, Max is extremely talented in what he does. Max, you, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed my experience in working with you and, and the continued mentorship that we with, that we have. But here's the this is the question that I thought about is that. You know, for for a business owner right now that is going through the fact that they've laid off, you know, uh, employees, that they're going through this obstacle, what do you think are the key things that they need to start doing right in this moment to get ready so that they are, they can weather this storm and, and not just weather, but thrive on the other side? It's yeah, a great question. So, Here's the phases that I've been talking about, right? So phase one, the, the panic, the, the freezing. We don't know what's going on, what's happening. Uh, we kind of tend to freeze. Then there's the uh, uh, flight response, right? Like I want to get away from this. I want to I make sure I'm safe, my family's safe, my, my team members are safe, my clients are safe. And then there's a fight response, which is like, okay, how do we get back into this? So what's interesting is that not all companies and not all business owners, not all CEOs, um, are on the same phase. So some of them might just be getting into the panic phase, right? Now that sounds crazy because it's been going on for a little while, but for whatever reason, they hadn't felt it yet. Um, for some, they had felt it even before and now they're in the fight response uh, or have been in the fight response trying to, you know, trying to figure out what to do next and how to work on that next. So it's important to understand where you are. You've gotta, uh, you gotta get yourself to that point where you can start thinking about the future again. Right. And, and on that, I, I'm curious because, you know, I deal a lot with real estate, right? And I deal, deal, deal a lot with realtors. And, and in my conversations, what I find is that in real estate, there's, you know, you, you, everything is kind of, you, you're building your pipeline, right? So you've got your pipeline going and things are going good. And so we may not see the effect until later on down the road. It's not, it's not just boom, the door shut and things are closed, right? For real estate, there's almost like this lag effect. And so maybe that panic is later, but talk to that point that even though there is a lag effect, we, there's some preparation that needs to be done. Absolutely, right? I mean, and, and here's the difference between businesses that, that thrive, grow, and scale and those that don't. And the ones that do plan, right? They, they are looking ahead. And they, are, they build a sensitivity to forecasting as well. To me, that's critical, right? Um, understanding what is going to be happening in the future is critical for the growth of the business. It allows you to make decisions. So I believe that um, some people that don't have that built in are all of a sudden going to face a, a, uh, again, a, a dry pipeline and are going to go, well, what happened, right? Um, but if you're planning ahead and you've got your metrics and you are keeping up with your indicators, then you can, you can see early on when something is starting to slow down 
and you have your mechanisms of how you're going to get them back up and running, right? Now, um, this is a very particular time because whatever you had in mind before might not work today. Whatever contingency plans you might have had, whatever buttons and levers you had might not be working today. So it's a time to actually plan and think. And yes, there's a, there's a firefighting response, but you've got to get out of that and you've got to get into the planning and thinking. Hmm. And thinking in these, in these moments is critical, right? So the, 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 the natural thing to do is to, is to want to shut down, is to want to focus on the moment and be responsive and not waste any energy thinking or planning the future. But that is the exact opposite of what you need to be doing. The thing is, um, from a neuroscience perspective, uh, the more stress there is in your system, right, and, and the more of these bad chemicals are flowing through your brain, the less doors you see, the less options you see. You start narrowing your, your vision. And that is very dangerous. That is very dangerous for, for, for business owners and for teams. Because when you start limiting your, your options and your perspective and you're just firefighting, you miss out on the opportunities, right? You miss out on the opportunities. So you've got you've to get some control of your emotions, right? Get control of your mindset. Mm-hmm. And you've got to get help. And I'm not talking about professional help where you have to go and hire a coach or hire a consultant. Hire, but you need help. You need other ideas. You need to, A, feel part of a group know that your livelihood is not at stake, meaning you're going to be able to, to survive through it. You're going to have food on your table. You're going to have shelter. Um, and once you're able to kind of downregulate all these, these negative chemicals and you're able to actually uh, pour some of the good uh, feelings and emotions and you open up to getting help and ideas from others, then you start to see options opening up back again. And you start to see uh, alternatives. You start to see crazy ideas. And then from there, you can start to figure out how you can implement and how you can pivot and how you can change, right? So uh, we will all be hearing tons and tons and tons about we need to adapt, we need to be creative, we need to pivot, and that's great. Mm-hmm. But we have to talk about the house. Yeah. How does that actually happen? And, you know, We've got to start with you, Tomas, right? In the mindset, right? Yeah. We've got to have, we've got to have that right mindset. We've got to have the right tools. We've got to have the right uh, uh, um, tools. We've got to have the right, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? The right activities that put us in a, in, in a frame of mind to be creative and thoughtful. And we've got to surround ourselves with others that can help expedite that. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, to that, right, like this, this plan idea, looking ahead, forecasting, right, that what you said, I wrote that down. And what, what, what happens, what I felt when in the beginning of this, there was a moment for me where I, I felt like it, this is really not that big a deal, right? Like I, there, they, I could feel that in my mind going, ah, it's, you know, this will be a week. This will be, a, you know, this is not going to be that big a deal. Obviously, there was nothing in my knowledge that was placing me in a point to really have the perspective that I needed, right? And so with, without the right knowledge, perspective, you know, you, you miss some things, right? But as time has gone on, I've realized, okay, you know what? This is going to go longer than a week, Tomas. We're, we're now on, you know, uh, for, for most people, it's about a month, uh, 
somewhere around there. But this idea of plan, plan ahead, I think is really important because there almost has to come this acceptance of where things are at, what's going on, and then going, okay, I have to have a willingness to reduce the stress and actually sit and think. Talk to that forecasting, that planning piece for business owners that are out there, uh, for people that are working for companies, that what can they bring, what can business owners, how can they start setting up that strategy to help them plan? Yeah, thank you. So. I'm going to touch just one second more on, on the importance of, of the right mindset. And the, the, the idea is this, right? We are human and we will always have needs and we will always have evolving needs. So as long as we have evolving needs, somebody's got to help supply that demand. So there will always be businesses. There will always be opportunities. They might change. They might not be what they are today, but somehow, some way, there's going to be new industries built and there's going to be uh, uh, opportunities to fulfill that demand. So that's the first thing we need to understand. We might have to change significantly, but there's going to be opportunities. Entrepreneurs will be entrepreneurs, right? This desire, this passion to either build a business for your own, um, to help other people, to, to, to solve needs will always exist. So there will always be a place and a space for that. So I think that's, that's number one. If you're a current business owner and you're trying to figure out what to do next, you've got to start at the beginning, right? Uh, who's your core customer? How has that core customer changed? Has your core customer changed completely, meaning it's a different human being altogether? Or is it the same human being, but their needs have changed? What matters to them has changed. What they're focused on has changed. And you've got to figure out how to adapt to their changes and how you can supply, uh, their with, supply them with what will solve their needs and wants, right? So for restaurants, uh, the idea is like, well, you know, they want a place to, to gather and socialize and leave their house. And now that changes completely. And now, look, they just want um, a variety of, of food. They, they want convenience. Uh, they want it to be contactless. Uh, they want it to be delivered, right? It could, you know, in many ways, it's the same target, the same human being. Sometimes it has changed and it's new or different human beings. But what do they want and how can you fulfill their needs? So trying to give the same people what you used to give them won't necessarily work. So it start with, starts like always. You've got to understand your customer first. Once you understand your customers or your new customers or, your, or the evolution of your customers, you can start to figure out how to solve that, right? How to solve for that. And then from there, you'll be able to understand what opportunities. There's no better way to reduce your stress and anxiety than two things, gratefulness mm. and serving others. So if you're thinking about how to save your business, you're thinking about it the wrong way. You're think, you have to think about how your business will make other people's lives better. How you can solve problems for others. That's and so, that, hold on, we gotta stop right there. That's, that is so good um, because the, the, the nature, right, as business owners is that, that panic, right, that first phase is I've gotta save and I've gotta hold on, but there's almost like this loosening of it and go, wait a minute, how can I help others with what I provide? 
that's so good, Max. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. And, and we're seeing it. We're, we're seeing it out there, right? So some stories are, are bigger than others, but you're seeing distilleries uh, producing hand sanitizer, um, fashion companies producing masks. So some of them are obvious and are very specific about the current pandemic and during the pandemic and what we do to solve this. But there's others and there's going to be others. So you've got to start thinking about how that is going to evolve, right? How that is going to evolve. Um, you're going to start thinking about who you're going to need on your team. Uh, you might need different talent. You might need different skills. Um, and there's going to be a good pool of people out there, right? Um, here's one of the best concepts I've heard. Um, I, I'm taking this one from Pat Lencioni. And he said, I don't want people to go back to normal. I want them to go back to a new and better normal, mm. right? So let's not go try, try to go back to normal. Let's go try to create a new and better normal. And I think that's part of the, the attitude, right? And the mindset. And we're going to be forced to it anyway. So we really have no option. Regardless if we want to or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So one of my big questions um, for you and for the audience is, how are you making sure that your organization is ready for innovation and speeding up the rate of innovation? Because mm. right? um, without that mindset, philosophy, approach, desire, then you might, be, you might be left behind. And you can already start seeing that the companies that can pivot fast, that are innovative, that are not afraid of trying something new, are the ones that are seeing and finding opportunities. So how... Um, how well is your organization set up for uh, innovation? I love that. So that so so in these phases, right? You have the panic, you have the flee, you have the fight. Uh, the 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 goal, and I think the fight is that part of the planning. That phase of fighting, moving, Absolutely, taking right? action. It's, it's I'm I'm taking control of this situation. Yeah, uh, I'm not a victim of 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 the COVID. I'm not a victim of the economy. I'm not a victim of anything going on. I'm, I, am, I am in charge of my destiny and my company's destiny. And it's up to me to go and solve it and figure it out and lead. And, and, and without that uh, initiative, right, we, we know what happens for companies. When you stay in a flea mentality or a panic mentality, as you said earlier, you're not going to see how you can serve your customers. You're not going to see how you can innovate. And so... So here's, I, I think for this, uh, the, the next thought that I want to kind of take to uh, um, Max is now that we're, so we're, we're starting to get, you know, some people are saying we're, we're coming to a period where maybe they're going to start loosening up. Some things are going to loosen up, maybe some, some of the social distancing to some degree, and they're going to start coming up with a plan. They're, they're creating the plan. I think uh, uh, today at 12, I think that, you know, uh, Governor Abbott here in Texas is going to be talking to that. And so I, I the, here's the thought that I want to put towards you is, that, is this thought is that, Regardless of what that plan is, tell me something that businesses from a from somewhat tactical standpoint that they could be doing. We've got planning. We've got talent. What are some other things that they could be doing to get prepared? Okay. So I want to talk about two different things, right? So on one hand, um, I believe that it's entrepreneurs and business owners that drive the country, the economy, the well-being of our communities, 
So it's up to them to decide what happens and when it happens, right? And I think the priorities have not changed. We've got to keep our family safe. We've got to keep our team safe. We've got to keep our clients safe. So uh, I urge everyone to continue to prioritize that in that order, right? There will be good times. There will be bad times. Um, and there will be a lot of rising from the ashes. But dead people don't come back, mm. right? That's a good point. So, and, and we still don't know the consequences or the long-term consequences of having the virus and recovering from the virus. So I urge everyone to really put the values. If we talk about family values and caring about people values, it's the time to show it. It's the time to demonstrate that we really care about that, right? The economy is important. People being able to pay their bills is important. But priority number one is priority number one, right? So, so, that, so that's the thing. Um, tactical, we talked a little, you, you asked the question, tactically, what can they be doing? So again, you've got to really dive deep and understand your customers. Make phone calls, call your customers, ask them what they used to think about before COVID, what, what are they thinking about now? What do they think is going to be important? I think you're going to see a lot of changes in the, in the psychographics, right? Um, I think that people are going to value things in diff- different ways and in different magnitudes. So something that might have been a nice to have now might become really important, right? So um, people value toilet paper more than ever, right? Um, yeah. But I think what we value is going to be changing. So I think it's important to understand and the best way to do it is get on the phone and talk to me. Now, let's, I want to stop you there because I, I think this is so important. How many flipping emails have you gotten during the COVID crisis? I, 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 I get endless COVID, COVID-19 email update. And I'm just like, you know, none of these businesses have picked up the phone, Max, to call me. I've gotten their emails, but none of them have actually picked up the phone to call me and say, hey, Tomas, how's it going? And, mm-hmm. and that was one of the things that, that I realized uh, that when I met, got with my team is I said, listen, we're going to call because we, we do it anyways, but we're going to call every client and we're going to have a conversation and we're going to have something to talk about. People, if you are a business owner, you have to pick up the phone and talk to your customers. And I'm glad you said that, Max. Keep, keep going. I'm sorry. I had, I had to jump in and just remind people of the importance of that. I think it's a great point, right? So uh, what, was the, what is the phrase, my Angelus uh, phrase of uh, people will forget what you said to them and what you did for them, but they will never forget how you made them feel. Yeah. So you got to call people and make them feel safe, comfortable, heard. Um, accompanied, uh, the opposite of lonely. Um, so that is really important. Another great opportunity. It's a great opportunity to actually build relationships, right? We are open to it right now. So anywhere from having a little bit of extra time, um, not having the madness of, you know, having to be running to a bunch of different places because you might be a little bit stuck at home. So it's a time to connect. It's a time where people that might've not answered the phone and talked to you might be willing to answer the phone today and talk to you. Right. So I have a couple of clients that tell me that people that they've been trying to get a hold on for, for, for years are now answering their phones that are now open to their solutions. So it's not just business. It's, it's about being, having the opportunity to build relationships. 
those relationships that might take you a long way for, for further along, right? As we come out of this, think about how you can help others, what you can do for others. This is definitely a time to give. So we, we have an opportunity to, to call others and say, how can I help you? Right? So uh, one of the things that I'm very proud of in, in my you know, coaching community is that we're all open to helping anyone free of charge, right? So you need some help, you need some advice, you want to bounce an idea, you've got some decisions to make, give me a call. Join one of my roundtables. Um, join uh, the workshop. Why? Because you're going to talk to other people that are in your same boat and you're going to have some expert advice. You're going to have some tools to use. You're going you're gonna to see parts of a process that are going to help you get to where you want to be. And you know what? The world needs it right now. We are here to help. That's the opportunity, right? So every one of our business owners out there could be doing the same thing. How can you offer some help? How can you offer some support? How could you offer some advice? So how can you help? As you're doing that, start to learn and understand the changing psychographics, sociographics of your targets, your target audiences. How are they going to change, right? Define who you're going to be focused on. Really critical. So when business is booming and the economy is doing great, you have a product and service and people will buy. And you don't want to miss out on any opportunity, so you're trying to go everywhere. Well, when things are tighter, you've got to be way more efficient with what you're doing. So identifying your core customer, understanding how to communicate with them, understanding how to solve their issues, their problems, their needs, their wants, is going to be critical. By the way, doing that successfully today will allow you to ride the wave of the next economic growth, and it's going to put you in an outstanding position. Yes. So, you know, the, the saying is that fortunes get built in down times. And I believe that because you've got to catch a couple of waves <clears throat> to take your business to that, you know, macroeconomic level. Yeah. And this is where the wave starts. So you've got to put yourself in a, in a great, in a great place. I love that. Now, let, now, now let's, we're going to shift gears, right? We, we, we were talking to business owners who already have businesses. And so I, now I want to, you know, we're, we're going to put our, our, our coaching hats on um, Max and kind of just kind of have a conversation about, because there's somebody sitting, they're in quarantine right now. They're, 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 they're doing the right thing. They're social distancing. They're in their house and they've got that idea. They've been, it's been burning inside of them, Max. They're like, I've got this. I'm ready. You know, um, it, it, now is the time. And so everything that we've talked about to some degree, the mindset, the plan, the core customer, right? Talent level. All of that stuff comes into play, but like if you were if you were to sit down at a round table with some people that they hadn't started their business yet, I'm really curious what would be the number one thing that you would start teaching them in helping them understand as they are thinking about starting this business, this idea in this current climate? Yeah. Okay. That's a good question. So first thing that I want to share with everyone is this idea. You're not on vacation, right? You are not on vacation. I'm and so glad you said that. I'm so glad you said that. So some people are going to come out of this better, better prepared, more intelligent, more knowledge, skills developed. 
And that's got to be you, right? Like, yes, I'm talking to you listening to this podcast, right? You've got you've to figure out what you need to get better at and you got to learn and you got to come out of this situation a level up of when you started. So with that said, that means <clears throat> you, you've got you've to go deeper and learn more than anyone else about that idea that you're interested in. And you hear me talk a lot about this, but I've seen a lot of products fail because they're not solving a problem that already exists, right? And I've seen some large corporations do that. So it's a great opportunity, it's a great time to really understand your customers, understand what really matters to them, understand what they really need, And as you understand that, then you can really figure out if what you have solves a problem, solves a need, or really takes them to the next level. And so that's, I'm sorry to interrupt, but but this is really important. What, What Max is saying there is, yes, there are a lot of ideas out there, but the idea has to solve someone's problem. And, and, and that is groundbreaking because you've got to do the research to make sure that you're going to be able to solve the problem that your solution has, right? Does it solve the problem? And what are some, I mean, what are the steps to do that, Max, to, to help people through that? Yeah. So, um, I mean, there's lots of different exercises in terms of trying to understand that, right? But I'm going to go back to, to, to a simple one that we can do right now. Anyone can do without any sophisticated tools, which is pick up the phone and talk to people, right? So ask them questions about their habits, about their satisfaction with the current solution, um, about the, 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 how they would use whatever solution you might have how much they might be willing to pay for it, right? Gather some intelligence and make sure you're talking to people that are not just going to sugarcoat it for you or tell you what you want to hear, right? Don't ask your, you know, the people that are going to say, oh, I love it, right? So I, 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 I say, don't ask your mom, right? That, that is just going to like and appreciate anything that you have. Talk to, to the skeptics and listen to them. And don't try to convince them that what you have is, is right or it will work. Uh, actually try to convince yourself of why it won't work. Mm. Because as you try to convince yourself of why it won't work, you can actually start coming up with solutions on how to address those challenges. And then figure out how to test it in a small scale, right? Mm. How to test it out in a small scale. So this is something really interesting that is starting to happen. And I've seen some big companies do this. So they come up with a concept uh, or or an idea for 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 a product. And they market it as if it already existed. Create a dummy look for it. They put it online. They actually put some advertising dollars behind it. This is Kickstarter. For those of you who don't know, that's Kickstarter. Absolutely. And then you actually see who who wants to really buy it. Because a lot of people will say, I'm interested in it, right? I have purchase intent. Yes, I'll definitely buy it. But once it's like, okay, here it is. It's in front of you. Pay me. They're like, well... Do I really need the better mousetrap? And that's, that's the idea, right? How can you get to the point where there's actually an economic transaction? So some of these companies doing this, I think some of, some of it has changed a little bit, but they were doing this where you would actually get to the paying um, uh, part of the transaction 
And then that point, they would say, oh, sorry, uh, we're going to be opening up sales, you know, July of 2022. Um, but just to really learn about how much purchase intent there is. Ah, uh, so, so the, the, the test was, can we get someone to even click that they would want to buy? And that was the evidence that, hey, you know, people are interested. That, that's, I, I, I don't think I've ever fallen for that, but that's pretty, that's pretty yeah. good. I like that. Yeah. Well, there was a, a, a toy manufacturer, which I don't want to mention, that uh, was going to be putting a 3D printer uh, for kids, and it looked amazing. And I think, I think the volume was there. Maybe the economics behind it wasn't there for them, and maybe that's why they backed out. But it, they were you know, going to sell at a certain date, and then it kept getting pushed back until they just this, it, the, the product disappeared. Now, that could have been for a lot of different reasons, right? But they went all the way to market with the product to see if there was going to be purchase intent. So sell it before you make it, right? Sell it before you build it. I love that. I, I, I'm thinking that for about, Max, and, and, and sorry to cut you off, but I'm, I'm thinking about that even in what, what I do with Luxury Home Magazine is we've had ideas that we've put out there just to kind of test them to see, hey, is this something that our clients are looking for? Is this a feature that's going to help them? And we pick up the phone and we call. And sometimes they go, nope. That's not something that's really working uh, for us. And through those phone calls, we realize that, and then we can go back to the drawing boards. Absolutely, right? So it's about learning as much as you can, as fast as you can, to, to prove it before you actually go into it, right? So, um, and then you wanna try to, you know, using a Jim Collins uh, analogy, you wanna, you wanna fire bullets before firing cannonballs. Mm. So, so figure out how you can, how you can test how you can put some money behind it, so how you can learn. And then once you figure something out, then you can really do it. <laughs> I'm By gonna, the way, Mike. I, I, I love that. Hold on. That, that fire bullets before cannonballs. Uh, basically what he's saying there is if you have an idea that you haven't tested and you go print 30,000 shirts for that one idea and concept that you think everybody's going to buy the shirt and you print all of the shirts and before you ever – see if anybody wants any that that's firing the cannonball instead of like testing it out with a few bullets and a few <laughs> one-off shirts to see if anybody yep. will buy them yeah so here here's another idea um i hear this a lot the first mover advantage right like we're going to be the first one that does this and look if you want that one hit wonder business by all means right be the first one make some money and then move on to the next big idea but if you want to really start a business and uh, you can't survive competitors, don't do it, right? You've got to figure out how you're going to differentiate, differentiate yourself, uh, differentiating process, differentiating solutions, differentiated ways that you do things inside your business that you can survive competitors. And too many times I see entrepreneurs saying, well, I'll be the first one to market with this. It's like, yeah, you know what? The first mover advantage is not such a, it's not such a big advantage. Actually, if anything, it's a second mover that learned from all your mistakes as a first mover that gets to make all the money behind it, right? So again, any idea that you might have can't be dependent on being the first one out there because then it, it, it is not enough to actually build a business from it. 
And, and, and the idea that comes to my mind is Uber, right? Because, you know, uh, uh, from, a, from a shared, um, you know, uh, rideshare idea, Uber wasn't the first. Uh, there was another one before that. I can't remember the name of it. Um, but what, 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 what Max is saying there that's really key is that if you're the first to market with it, somebody can come behind you with more money, more talent, more ability, and they can just outspend you out of that marketplace is what we're, what we're basically essentially we're talking about, which if you look at Uber uh, to a large degree, that's kind of how Uber came in and became one of the top in the ride share world. Yeah, absolutely. Which by the way, by the way, that, that message is, is as relevant for the startup as it is for the 20, 30, 40, $50 million business out there, right? How are you building differentiators in your business that are going to lead to long-term sustainable growth? and scalability. And if you look around and you don't do things in significantly different ways than your competitors, if what you offer is not significantly different than what your competitors are offering, or it's easy to copy, and if you don't have enough of those differentiators, you're not scaling, right? And, and you're not going to be profitable long-term and you're not going to be growing at, at, at the fast rate. So what is your strategy? to build differentiators in a three-year time frame. So when you get there, you've already a level up on everyone else and you're making it ever more difficult for your competitors to be in that marketplace in, in going after those customers, um, going after, after, after those needs. Right. And, and, and that, is, that is part of setting up your company for innovation, right? And allowing that innovation. So if you, if you, if you, anytime you hear something like, well, this is how we've always done it, it's a great indication that you're not set up for innovation, that the mindset is not there, the processes are not there, the frameworks are not there, the tools are not there for innovation. And right? the, or, you, or the willingness, right? Or the willingness to do it. Or the willingness, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, and if you do, if you, if you do have that, then, then, you could tell me or you could easily verbalize your, your strategy in one phrase. You could easily, um, any one of your team members, right? Leadership team members might, will tell you, we're working on this project and this project and this project that is going to help us be different in these ways and solve our customer needs in these ways that is not like anybody else. And if you don't have that, you're not necessarily set up for innovation in a structured way. And yeah. you might be hoping for uh, lightning in a bottle uh, instead of having a system that is predictable and predictably delivering results uh, and, deliver, and, and predictably leveling you up period after period. And so the thought that comes to me is that innovation um, is, is really is almost a hedge against your competitors. It's, it's, that, it's that fortress wall, right? It's, it's, it's that way that you can differentiate yourself and separate yourself from the competition to where like, look, if, if they want to try to take some of your market share, they're going to have to not only elev uh, uh, innovate to the level that you've, you're at, but even more so. I mean, they're really going to have to kind of uh, 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 go deeper with that innovation. So now, um, Max, you know, wrapping this up, I, I, you know, I, I'm at the point where, listen, we, we're going to have to do this again because I think there's some topics 
that we could we could kind of tackle um, it, from a podcast standpoint where we could we that we could jump into and really help some people. Um, and I think what you share today is fire. Like it is really, really good content. And so for those of you that are listening to this and you're, you know, this is, let's say this is three months from now and you're just kind of going, okay, I've got this idea for my business. What, what Max has laid out here, you know, understanding is, is, is your company going to actually provide a solution? Is it going to solve a problem? Have you actually done the testing? Uh, have you fired bullets before the cannonballs, as he said? I, listen, we, you've laid out the foundation for that, but I do think we're going to need to do another in-depth talk about this because this is good stuff, Max, and I really appreciate it. Really good stuff. So the last question is this to wrap up, Max. I always ask from Tribe of Mentors, Tim Ferriss, um, he, always, uh, he has a question of what book uh, has has brought you the most like um, it's really given you the most in terms of like oh my gosh this is the book that you've turned around and given it away that you've bought it for someone and given it away so no doubt for me um, the most game-changing book that I think I've ever read is uh, Maxwell Maltz the new psycho cybernetics it is the book that from a, uh, a little bit of speculation and a little bit of understanding human behaviors, uh, now, the now all the neuroscience proves that book right, talks to us about how our brain is a goal-achieving mechanism and how we have to program it for achieving those goals. Our businesses are goal-achieving mechanisms that need to be programmed for achieving those goals, right? Oh, man. So our businesses so are just a reflection of how we operate. So those, if, if, if you uh, read that book and understand the importance of, again, programming and um, training, um, you'll understand how that relates to business as well and how you have to program your brain, how do you have to program team members, how you have to have them aligned, uh, how you have to condition uh, certain factors. And once you do, business growth becomes more fun, becomes more enjoyable, becomes easier, and you grow faster than you could ever imagine. So that's, that's to me is, 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 is the book. A lot of people think it's, it's like, uh, you know, like weird or something. It is not. Um, it, it is, it is so powerful because it talks about, again, not some tactical ideas here or there. It's at the core of, of operation. Right. And, and that's why I think it's so powerful. No, I, 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 you know, you, I remember we first start, started talking about that book. You told me about that book and, uh, I've read a little bit of it. It is, I mean, it's some deep stuff. It's some really good stuff. And so, Max, with that, you, you did say something, though, that I, I, I think we, we got to, I, I don't want to stop because you said something that it reminded me of one of our coaching sessions. And, and, and in the session, you know, you, 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 you were like, Tomas, what do you want? Like, like, what do you, you have this business. It's, it's very successful. What do you want? And I remember sitting there um, in, in just kind of struggling with, the, with, with, with that, that question. 
And to this day, you know, that that's still a question that I kind of like, it's like, I'm fighting with that question, Max, I'm fighting with it. But you just said this that I think is really interesting. You said business, your business is a goal achieving mechanism. It is a mechanism that when properly set up, when it's proactive instead of reactive, when it's programmed, that business should achieve the goals that you set out for it. But I think the thing that you could speak to is what do you want out of the business? Absolutely. So I believe the business is here to, to give you what you want out of life and not the other way around, which we all have seen a lot of, right? Where people pour their lives into their business and their business becomes their life versus the other way around it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that there's an element of us being human that we want to help others. So how do you and how does your business help others? I think that's important. I think it's also important to understand what sort of freedoms you want, right? What, what decisions you, you want to be able to make um, anywhere from where you live to uh, what sort of trips you can have or how long you can be away from it to the size uh, and, and revenue and profit that it brings or to the well-being that it, that it generates for the communities or the team itself. So I, th I think that all of that goes hand in hand. Um, it's, it's interesting because I, I really believe that wealth, money comes from helping other people get what they want. Whenever you make that the first priority, then you can. You, I'm not going to lie. I'm sure there's a lot of business out there that just churn out a lot of money for the owners, right? But there's no reason why you can't have both. Be it purposeful and profitable. And if you look around, the best businesses out there combine those two. They're so people true. caring, number-driven, result-oriented. They can combine the two. They don't fight each other. They actually work with each other. And that, to me, is the biggest, the biggest opportunity out there, right? We've got we've to connect both uh, the purpose and, and, and the people caring with the results and the accountability. And that's where performance lives. And then, and, and, and what you're, we're seeing right now uh, with companies that have been uh, strategically setting themselves up, one of them being Amazon, uh, they started out just selling books. And look at, I, I, there's not a day, and I'm not, I'm not kidding, there's not a day I don't see out of my window right here in my office at least two to three Amazon trucks in my neighborhood uh, where I live. And they started out figuring out the solution to just selling books. And the funny part is I've, I've read uh, that, that uh, the Barnes and Nobles were like, sure, you can, you, can, you can sell the books online. We're not worried. People are still going to come to the bookstore. But now listen, think about this. They're not just selling books anymore. They sell everything now. And so they've been innovating and innovating and innovating. And now look where they're at. It's one Absolutely. of the perfect businesses. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. This, this is something that's super interesting. Um, Amazon doesn't turn out a profit, right? It doesn't reward shareholders with profits. The philosophy has always been a long-term reinvesting approach, right? And they keep building wealth and well-being for the communities, right? There's some controversy whether they're paying enough, doing enough. But in general terms, they are making the world a better place. And if it wasn't for them right now, we would be in a much tougher situation as well. Seriously. And then last but not least, I, I, I have to uh, 
you said a quote earlier, and we have to end on this because I thought it was perfect. You are not on vacation. And I think, I think that quote is so good. Um, and I, and I, you need to make, I don't know if you've heard that from someone else, Max, but you need to put that on a little picture. We're, we're, we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to have Gabe set this up. So Gabe, when you, when you get this and you're doing post-production, I want to have your picture on that, uh, uh, Max. And it just says, you know, you are not on vacation right now because that is so true right now, more than ever. I'm reading the book. The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. Have you read this book, Max? I have not, but I have read some of his stuff and I love him. He's, he's, he's brilliant. Great. I mean, just this guy writes so well. It's fast paced. Like this, this book is so fast paced. And I'm doing a mastermind with a group. And here's what they told me. They, they were like, Tomas, did you pick this book because of what's going on right now? Is, it, is that why we're reading this? Because it's literally like it's telling the story of what to do when there's an obstacle in your way because the obstacle is the way. But I'm on the chapter now where he's talking about action and taking action. And, and it's so, to me, I look at this book and I just go, man, listen, if there's any book that you should read during this time, I would highly recommend reading this book because there's so much good stuff about you, if you just try to walk around the obstacle, if you just try to ignore the obstacle, listen, the obstacle is the way, and you're not on vacation. If you wanna share one last piece about that, Max. Well, it's, it's, it's the opportunities, right? It's the opportunities. So the, the mindset is this, um, there's no such thing as a clear, clean path to where you wanna go. Obstacles are part of the deal. It's part of life. Uh, we might have not expected such a large and unique obstacle per se, uh, but obstacles have been there all the time. Now, you can look at it as an obstacle or you can look at it as an opportunity. So if your business is shut down right now, you could say, hey, uh, this is a pretty significant obstacle. But even then, because I do have some businesses that I coach that are closed right now, they are looking at it as an opportunity. They are saying, this is forcing us to innovate faster than what we were innovating at. This is forcing us to change our business model. This is forcing us to, to accelerate our evolution. And that will ultimately be and put us in a better place. And when we look back at our history and we look back at this situation, we're going to say, wow, if it wasn't for that, as bad as it is in many cases, we would have not been here. And that, I believe, is, is the approach that we all need to have. We're going to have to Find a way to look back and say, this is the best thing that ever could have happened to us. And if we do that, then we're going to consistently be in a better place. I love it. Max, my friend, listen, thank you for being on TM3 Impact. Uh, this has been fantastic. Uh, love being able to have a conversation with you. We will have this up soon. Uh, I again, thank you for being on the show. My friend, have an awesome, awesome week. My pleasure. Thank you. And thank you to your audience. I look forward to hearing from you guys. And I want to hear what comments you have. I'm sure there's going to be a Facebook uh, a post of this. So I, I, want to, I want to hear what you guys have to say about these different ideas that we've been sharing today. Awesome. Take care, Max. We'll talk soon, buddy. See you soon. Please.